Hebrews 11 verses 19 and following. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Without wavering. Now in these verses that we've read, and indeed down to verse 25, Paul really does two things. He sums up, first of all, what he has been saying. He concludes the matter of Christ, the great high priest, who brings us unto God. And then he goes on to exhort us how we ought to live in the light of that. How we ought to conduct ourselves according to this great truth of Christ's high priestly ministry. So we then, in these verses, we have summary and we have application. Verses 19 to 21 is summary. Verses 22 to 25 is application. Now in this summary, the key word is having. He's summing up what we have as the people of God. Having, therefore. And then in verses 22 to 25, the key word several times repeated is the expression, let us. Seeing we have this, having, let us. Let us this, let us that. So what we have as Christians And what we ought to be doing as Christians. Tonight we're only focusing on the first part. We only have the time to look at verse 19 down to verse 21. And we want to consider what Christians have, what we have. And it can be summed up in one word. The word doesn't occur in the text. But it is taught in the text access. We have access. Paul does not use the word here as he does in Ephesians. He likes to use it in some of his other epistles. And especially in Ephesians, he says, Through Christ, we both, that is Jew and Gentile, we have access by one spirit unto the Father. In Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith in him. And that's what Paul is teaching here in these verses We have access. The words he uses are enter. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter. There's a place to enter. By a new and living way. There's a way. That's access. A way to that place. And then he says through the veil. Through the veil. That's access. So he uses other words. Other phrases. Other illustrations. But he's teaching the same truth. Christ as high priest gives us access. Access. That's the most wonderful thing of all that he gives us. And that's what we want to consider 
tonight, the, the access. There are five things in verses 19 to 21. I don't expect that I will cover them. I'll not cover them all tonight. So I'll just give you five, the five headings briefly. And we'll cover probably the first three of them anyway. First of all, who have access? Brethren. House of God. And then access to what? Or to where? Boldness to enter into the holiest. Access into the holiest place. And then the path or how this access is obtained. The blood of Jesus. A new and living way. Which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil. So there are different words there describing the access. The way of access. And then the special liberty and freedom. That we can exercise in that access. Having therefore boldness. To enter in. So there's that spirit of freedom and liberty with which we enjoy this access. And then the unique and special advocacy sustaining us in our entrance because the high priest all the while is over the house of God helping us, guiding us, interceding for us, giving us his Holy Spirit so that we have the power and the liberty to use that access and to come in. There's this living high priest who is all the while still helping us. So those are the five main thoughts concerning access that are revealed in this text of Scripture. First of all then, who have access? The apostle uses a word here that we might easily miss, but we must not. Because he uses this word very sparingly, but he also uses it very carefully. He says, brethren, brethren having boldness to enter in. And we have to think about that because whenever he uses it, he's thinking about a certain class of people. Those who only can have the boldness. Those who only can do the entering in with that boldness. Those who only want to go this new and living way. And who do go this living way. It's brethren. And of course. That's a family word isn't it. He's speaking about the family of God. The access is for the family of God. It's for God's children. On the one hand we can say the way is open to all. It's open to the whosoever will. All are invited. All are welcome. Doesn't the Bible say. The spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Let him take freely of the water of life. But really the gospel invitation. In its universal aspect. Is to come to Christ. Is to believe on the Lord Jesus. Is to be joined to him by faith. And the sinner really first has to come to Christ. He has to come to the wells of salvation. He has to come to the great high priest. He has to come to Christ, the water of life and the cleanser of the soul and the way to God. No one comes the way to God until someone until they come to Christ. So the gospel call is to come to Christ. And that must be first. There's no boldness and liberty to enter into the holiest of sinners without Christ. Without union to Christ. 
You just don't go directly into the holy place with boldness like that. You have to come to Christ. You have to have faith in Christ. You have to be in the family of God to have the boldness. And you're only in the family of God in your union to Jesus Christ. So Christless sinners don't have the boldness to come. They don't have the liberty to enter into the holy place. It's impossible for them. They don't even desire to come. It is only sinners believing in Christ, trusting in him, that have the desire to come into the presence of the Father and who do so with boldness. So Paul is quite right here. Brethren, the Christian congregation, the Christian family, brethren, having boldness, let us come. Let us enter. So only, only brethren have it. The Lord Jesus describes this access with boldness in the prayer that he taught us to say, Our Father, which art in heaven. You see, we can only come with boldness to a Father, a heavenly Father. And it's only Christ who puts us into the family of God. That means that Christians are the children of God, and only the children of God can come with boldness into this holy place. And how does one become a child of God? It is only by adoption into God's family, through faith in Jesus Christ, God's true Son. God can only be our Father if Christ is our elder brother. And if Christ be our elder brother, then we are all brethren. This is what Paul means. He specifically means that. He just doesn't drop it in here. Oh, I think I'll call them brethren. No, he's referring us back to what he's already taught in chapter 2. This is only the liberty of sons. You're all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And because we have faith in Jesus Christ, God has sent his spirit into our hearts whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. We have the liberty, we have the boldness through Christ. As many as received him, to them give he the authority to become the children of God and his younger brethren. And we can come with boldness. So this is only access for the family, for the believers, for the brethren of Jesus Christ. And as I said, he's, he's reminding us of Hebrews chapter 2, because Paul introduced us to the brethren of Christ there. He told us that Christ was incarnate and died for those who are to become sons of glory. Sons of glory. The children of God. He died for his family. He became incarnate for his family. The Bible says he's not ashamed to call them brethren. I am the children, my father, which you have given me. It's only as a family that we come into the holiest. And because the children are partakers of flesh and blood, both are mentioned in the text, blood and flesh, because the children are flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of flesh and blood for his brethren, that he might bring the brethren unto God. 
It behoved him therefore to be made like unto his brethren in all things. So that he could die for them. So that he could atone for their sins. And so that he could represent them before the Father. And so that he could go in as the forerunner on behalf of them. And they could come trailing behind him in their union to him. Only the brethren. So it's a very important word. And you have to study Hebrews chapter 2 in the light of how Paul uses it here. So you see how important it is. It's not Muslims and Buddhists have boldness with access to enter. It's not all men, but brethren. The Christian family. For those truly baptized into Christ by faith. And so the essential thing for this entrance is faith in Christ. No one else can come in here but believers. No one else has access but those who have union to Jesus Christ. No one else. Doesn't matter how good they may be in the eyes of the world. No Muslim. No Hindu. No Christless Protestant or Christless Roman Catholic or whatever. No one else. Only the family of God. Only believers in Jesus Christ. And no one else wants to come. Because as the Bible says, there's none that seeketh God. Only his family. Another term is found in verse 21. It implies the same thing. Having an high priest over the house of God. Now this house of God is not a building. It's not heaven. It's not the temple. This house of God is a family. It's a people. You're the house of God. You're no more strangers and foreigners. But you're fellow citizens with the saints. Of the household of God. If you believe in Christ. You're in his house. You're you're his family. You're his children. Jesus Christ is your elder brother. And he is your elder brother as the high priest over you. And because he's the high priest over you. And you're, you're his family. You're his house. It's you who he gives this access to. It's you who he brings into the holiest. Through himself. Just the believers. Just the family. So that's very important. It's like the tabernacle in the wilderness. Isn't it? Whenever the tabernacle was in the wilderness, God's tent. And then the holiest place of all inside at the very back. And God's tent was in the midst of all his people. All the house of God, the house of Israel. All the house of Israel was all around it. And that tent and that access to that sanctuary as far as they could go in the shadow, that was only for the household of Israel. It was only for the family. The Egyptians didn't want to go. They weren't interested. They had no access. They didn't care to have access. The Philistines, they didn't care to go. They destroyed the temple in Shiloh. The Canaanites had no interest in the, in the tabernacle, in the dwelling place of God and going to the, into the holiest. No, it was only Israel. It was only the house of God. It was only the family that surrounded that ta- tabernacle that had an interest, that had access. And we are the family of God. We're we're the Israel of God. And the high priest is over us. And we have an interest in that place. And we want to go into the holiest. And we want the access. And we have the access 
because of our union to the high priest, our faith in him. So this is a very important word here, brethren, and household of God. It's a family admittance. It's a family entrance. Paul uses the term earlier on in this epistle we saw it. He calls us holy brethren. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That means that in their faith in Christ, they have been set apart by the grace of God. Holy brethren. That doesn't mean Christians are sinless. We're not sinless. We're not better than the Philistines in many ways. We're just sinners as the Canaanites were and as all Gentiles are. It just means that we have God's grace. It just means that we have this calling in our life in the gospel of grace of God. Whereby the gospel came to us and we were given the grace to respond to that gospel and to believe and to partake of the calling by faith. And in our union to Christ we become holy brethren. We become set apart. Not sinless. We're still sinners. But in the grace of God and our union to Christ we're accepted as holy brethren. And it is as that that we have access to come in. So it's not because we're good and sinless. But it's because of our relationship to Christ. And that's the wonderful thing about the gospel and about this wonderful admittance. We do sin and we do fall. But there is cleansing for us. And our acceptance is not interfered with because of our union to Christ and our acceptance in the family of God and the grace of God. So we become brethren in the call of the gospel. We have believed and partake by faith. Being a Christian is not receiving Christ so many years ago and then saying goodbye to him. Being a Christian is receiving Christ and entering into the way. And using that way all the time, coming to the Father, coming to God, having access with boldness into the presence of the Most High. That's the Christian life. Using your access, enjoying your access after your introduction to Jesus Christ, your Saviour. Whatever time, many years ago, that took place. You're still in your union to Him and your faith in Him enjoying this access through him. So the first thing that people really have to ask when they look at a verse like this, they have to ask themselves, am I a Christian? Do I have my faith in Christ? Have I union to Christ? Am I depending on Christ? Do I always come to God through Christ? Do I ever remember and the realisation that it's only in my union to him that I have this access. It's, it's, it's not something you can forget. I mean, you couldn't possibly pray every day and forget this. This is basic. This is the blood that throws through your veins of your Christian life. Your union to Christ and your access to God through him. And if the answer is, yes, I do believe in Christ, then you're in this verse and you have this, this access. And this is, a, this is comforting for you. Because there are times when we need access more than others. There are trying times. There are difficult times. There are times of loneliness. Times of affliction. Times whenever we're going to face problems. 
time whenever we're going to come to die, our last breath, and we're going to be needing the access more than we ever did. So it's, it's comforting to know and be assured of these things, that you have union to Jesus Christ. Then secondly, the next thing is the place to where access is made. What has been opened? What large room is granted to the saints to come into? Well, Paul here just calls it one word. The holiest. The holiest. It's not just the access to the church. It's not just access to a holy place. It's access to the holiest of all. To the presence of God himself. Right to his very throne. And of course that was pictured in the tabernacle as the most holy place. That's what Paul is referring to in the type, in the shadow. But he's really speaking about the reality of it, the presence of the holy God himself. But in the type and in the shadow, it was the most holy place where God dwelt, where his throne was, and where the, nobody had access. And that veil stayed up. And the high priest, he could go and only go in once a year. And he went in with trembling and fear. So Paul is talking about the reality of all of that. And if the shadow was fearful, how much more terrible is the reality? Into the very presence of God. You know, it's an awesome thing to go into the presence of God. Because we're sinners. And we never forget that we're sinners. On the great white throne of judgment, whenever all sinners will come into the presence of God... It'll be a terrible place. It'll be a fearful place. Unthinkably terrible. For those who are Christless. And that's where we have access to. Right into the throne room. Right into the pure and holy throne. Where God dwells. Between the cherubim. Right into the presence. The very living presence. Of God himself. Who cannot abide sin. This is an amazing thing. It really ought to stagger us that we have access into the holiest. I mean, just remember your sins. Just remember what you are, even now, with all our faults and failures. I'm talking about being in the presence of God, the thrice holy God, even the cherubim that surround him, who are sinless. They veil themselves, they bow their heads, they veil themselves in that awesome presence. And they have no sin. And they don't have this boldness. But they veil themselves and they cover them themselves. And yet we have this boldness. Even as sinners. This access. The holiest. The holiest of all. The most holy. It's staggering. The type on earth, as I said, was frightening. None dare enter into it at all, except the high priest. And he had to get everything right. He had to get his dress right. He had to get his incense right. And all the ceremony that he carried out right. He had to go in in a proper way. He had to reverse out in a proper way. Nothing had to be out of place because he could have died. He feared dying going in there. In fact, it is said they tied a rope around him because death was a real possibility. And they liked to hear all those bells dingling. And any time they stopped, the hearts of the Israelites stopped too. 
unless he was dead. And they had to pull him out if he died. That's how terrible it was. And that's just the shadow. And we are sinners. And we can go into the holiest, the reality. I mean, God is the consuming fire, isn't he? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, we read in chapter 10. You remember how God says, a fire is kindled in my presence, and it burns onto the lowest hell. And everything that's sinful that's in its, in its path is devoured. And that's where we can go. And yet we still have the remembrance of all our sins. Access. With boldness. How is this possible? He dwells in light which no man can approach unto. And yet we can enter in. And it's pictured in Sinai. Remember whenever God came down in Sinai. No, nobody could approach. Nobody could go near. Everybody had to stand back. Only Moses could approach. And even he didn't get a full close approach. Face to face. God said even to Moses. Thou canst not see my face. There's no man can see my face and live. And Moses said so great was the sight. That even he feared and shaked bodily. So it is awesome. And ordinarily we cannot be comfortable in that presence. Which is why the veil is up in the tabernacle. You see that veil is a merciful thing really. It keeps us out from God, but it keeps God's judgment out from us, away from us. It's a merciful thing until Christ comes and he can safely take it away. Praise the Lord for the veil. And praise the Lord for the rending of the veil at the right time for us. So ordinarily we can't go into the holiest because the veil is up and Christ only removes it. And he did, as we shall see. Now we have to think about the only one who is truly comfortable in the presence of God. The only one who has the true natural liberty and the true full freedom in the presence of God. Without any fear, without any veiling himself. Complete and full confidence and comfort. And that's the bosom son. He's the bosom son. He's the one who is in the presence of God always. With comfort and with delight and with joy. Who is the very image of the invisible God. The mirror reflection of him in completeness. The son of God. He's the one who has this wonderful enjoyment in the holiest. But he left the bosom. And that brings us on to the third thing. The, the access, the way. And it was that son of God who left the bosom of the father. Who made the way back to God. That's why he come. To bring us on to God. To bring us into the holiness. The holiest. Despite our sins. Despite our sinfulness. He loved us. He came into the world to find us and to bring us unto God and to bring us into the holiest. And his incarnation and his death was all about that. 
It was not just about glorifying himself and doing something for himself. Yes, he's bringing glory to his Father, but he's doing it for us in his love for us. And so this access is obtained through that name that occurs in the text, Jesus. Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's a person. It's a person who is the way. It's a person who gives us the access. And that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And how sinners are granted this entrance, and by what means they do enter in and get it, is revealed in the text through this person, Jesus. The bosom son. But he had to come from the bosom of the father through the veil. And as he came through the veil into this world, he took flesh. That veil pictures his flesh, his humanity, flesh and blood. Through the veil, which is his flesh. So he had to be incarnate. He had to take flesh and blood, both body and blood. He was man. He was made man. He tabernacled among us. You see, Christ identifies with the tabernacle. That tabernacle pictures Christ coming into the world, so journeying among his people to bring them on to God. Christ tabernacled among us. He took the flesh, that veil. He took the covering. He took that which was the barrier between God and us and he took our humanity and he rent it in the sacrifice of Calvary through his flesh. What does it say there in the text? Verse 19. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So his flesh is called the veil. And that veil had to be rent. It's only in the rending of the veil that we have access into the holiest. And the rending of the veil corresponds with the rending of Christ's humanity. His death on the cross, his sacrifice, his shedding, his blood. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my flesh which is rent for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. And he makes the way. He opens the way. He gives the access. He consecrates the way in the consecration of himself. In the offering of the cross. The offering of his body and blood. Paul doesn't separate them. It's the body and the blood. It's the red flesh and the shed atoning blood. The one sacrifice of Calvary that gives us the access unto God. And Paul has said all of this. He's just summing it up now. So we're told it's a new way. It's the living way. It's new because before sin there was an old way. But whenever Adam and Eve sinned that closed up, that door was closed. We need a new way now. And the new way is through the blood of the Lamb. 
entrance through his blood into the holiest. It's the only way. It's the only one way. There's no other way. It's called not only a new way, it's a living way because you see Christ rose from the dead. He's alive. We go through a living high priest. Not one dead on the cross still hanging there as, as the crucifix pictures him. No, a high priest that's living and alive over the house of God over us. Helping us along the way. Giving us the spirit to come in. Giving us the desire to come in. The confidence building it up in us by his word and by the ministry of his spirit. As he intercedes for us. A living way. Oh, there's no way like it in any other religion. It's always a way of works. A way of effort. A way of doubt and uncertainty and a futile way that is closed up and comes to nothing. But the Christian religion presents us with the living way in our Saviour Jesus Christ. So congregation, enjoy God. Enjoy your Heavenly Father. In your union to Christ, enjoy God's presence. Bring your praise to him. Bring your petitions to him. And you need not have fear and bondage. Don't let the devil bring you into bondage and fear and make you think, oh, the way is closed and I'm not welcome and I can't come. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach you to think like that. Yes, you sin, you fall, you fail, but you can repent and you can confess and in your union to Jesus Christ your entrance is never barred never shut up this is his glorious grace his glorious salvation so, so enjoy the fellowship enjoy it and make use of your saviour Jesus Christ and traverse this way daily let us pray.